Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I want to welcome back to the program uh, former House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Rogers, Congressman Rogers. Welcome back, sir. How are you? I am doing fantastic. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think the last time we spoke, it was probably before Christmas last year, I want to say. And uh, so some things have been happening. Um, I wanted to start with the um, uh, the story about these Chinese police stations. Uh, I covered this a couple of days ago. Uh, so I'm going to throw this out at you. Let me see with your expertise. Maybe am I am I far off the mark? Is it possible that China's trying to help because they know we've been defunding police here, so they're going to help set up police departments in America for us? Is that possible? <laughs> Not even close, my friend. Darn it. Not even close. They are there specifically to intimidate and influence uh, U.S. policy and conversations about China, pure and simple. Uh, and they're intimidating them, much like when the uh, organized crime first came to America in that late 1800s, early 1900s. And what they would do is prey on people that spoke the same language, came from Italy, those, those kinds of things. Uh, and they would go in and say, hey, the police aren't working for you, they're working against you, but hey, trust me, I'll take care of you. And that's how organized crime really got seated in America. And if you look at what the Chinese are doing, same thing. Yeah, I don't trust anybody in America, but but by the way, you're going to be delivering messages that we, the Chinese Communist Party, tell you to deliver, uh, and and you're going to help influence policy here in the United States. So it's completely nefarious. And the what Confucius Institutes as well, which I thought I saw there was some hearing where one of uh, the administration's appointees had not heard. I think the head of the Department of Education had never heard of this connection, but it. it Sounds like a similar kind of approach, but at a, uh, at, at, you know, in the halls of higher academia. Yeah, and it's just more sophisticated because they would give money to these colleges and universities, and they would look the other way and allow these uh, institutes to, to really do the same thing. They'd find ethnic Chinese, use intimidation, uh, uh, and, you know, message delivery. Uh, and, and, you know, they'd also try to recruit you know, converts to their way of thinking. And so they were doing this on college campuses to our children and making those cases about why the Chinese Communist Party good, United States bad. And and we were allowing, the, the universities were allowing it to happen because they got, you know, healthy checks uh, from the Chinese Communist Party and the government of China. And so it was, it was, it's really, it was very cynical. There's actually a great group of young, these were young college kids, aged kids, who st- figured this out and started going around the country uh, trying to push back on these things. And they've had some great success. Uh, former Congressman Mike Rogers, um, you were uh, also what uh, you served in the U.S. Army, uh, FBI special agent in the Chicago office. Uh, you've done rounds on CNN and uh, Fox News as well and House Intelligence uh, chairman. Um, so what exactly... W- Why do we see what seems to me to be, at least, and maybe I'm off on this, but it seems to me to be like we are sleepwalking with 
China. Like, we don't recognize. I keep going back. I remember when the wall fell, uh, Soviet Union collapsed. I was in high school, but I remember it. And I, I just I cannot find sort of an equivalent uh, posture to the way we dealt with the Soviets, with the way we are dealing with China. I don't like we would never deal. We would never do trade deals with the Soviets. Right. I mean, we we would not behave. We did not behave like that with them. Like we behave with this round of communist leaders. Uh, you're exactly right. And, and would we ever have allowed the Soviet Union at the height of their power even as weak and decayed as they were internally, but their height of their power to open up, uh, you know, radio uh, broadcasting for the Soviet message in the United States. Of course not. We would have never allowed that. Uh, but TikTok does it to our kids every single day, all day long. And if you look at the way the Chinese are using influence operations, I also think it pushes back on this notion like, oh, you can't push back on, on China. They're a developing nation, and we need to help them get there. And some of that certainly was true over time. But corporate America saw the gold rush, mm. uh, and they went after it, and they pushed back on any thought that, hey, should we be careful about this? Uh, and, well, now we're finding the fruits of the Chinese labor, the Communist Party's labor, uh, on everything that they were doing, stealing intellectual property, trying to push messaging, buying Hollywood studios so they could control the messages coming out of Hollywood. Uh, TikTok is finally getting some pushback, but for years uh, they were running their own algorithms that sent you know, American kids to, you know, the dancing cat videos, sent Chinese kids at home to science, technology, engineering, and math videos. And so uh, they have been moving out on this smartly, and I think that's why we were sleepwalking. Hey, we got cheap stuff. We paid less for it. Uh, that's really good. We like that. Oh, and by the way, the Chinese just kept marching forward on this notion that they were going to try to supplant the United States as an international leader, and they're using their economy, their military, their intelligence, uh, and what's something they call lawfare, uh, all at the same time, and influence operations to to try to get there. And we maybe are starting to wake up a little bit, but we, I don't feel we're as awake as we need to be, given the consequences if we fall behind China and in international leadership and commerce. So uh, let, let me shift also now to this uh, to the, the stuff that got leaked out on the Discord channel and with some gamers and this Massachusetts Air National Guardsman. Um, I saw something, I think it was the AP, they said there could be hundreds of documents that's, uh, that, that he had been taking. I, I guess I didn't realize, I thought it was only like limited to Ukraine, but how expansive of a trove did this guy actually disseminate? Do we know? Uh, I don't know if we know the full uh, assessment of it. And so what the intelligence community did, and I did this when I was chairman, we do a, ba- uh, a damage assessment, not a battle damage assessment, that's something different, but a damage assessment on the leaked materials. And so what I, and I said this when this first came out, be careful to come to a conclusion. I think there's more to the story. Why? Because there were Russians in that discord conversation. Mm. And, and earlier from that, uh, we knew that terrorists at the height of the terrorism, counterterrorism war were using chat rooms and gamer chat rooms to communicate because they thought that they could get around U.S. surveillance that way. And to some degree, they were right. And so we've seen this technique before, and I had certainly seen it before. And when I heard this, I thought, oh, I would be very careful about saying this was just a uh, 20-year-old kid trying to puff up to his friends, which he was certainly doing that. 
and I worry a little bit about how much information was passed along. We do know that China and Russia will share intelligence. They're doing that on Ukraine and probably other areas in the world. And so any information that would be not even directly related to Russia, uh, if the Russian intelligence services had it and thought it would hurt the United States to share that with China, they're going to do it. And so I still think there's more to learn about this. Did he know that there were Russians on there? Boy, it went long enough and early enough that I, I have to believe uh, that, that he had to have some suspicion that more than just some, heist or some uh, young teenage friends were getting this information. Mm. Uh, speaking of Russia, uh, any thoughts on the development about the, uh, the, the letter uh, that we now find out that uh, what Mike Morell was the one that put together that letter that was published in the media right before the last election <laughs> that said uh, the Hunter Biden laptop smacks of a Russian disinformation operation and it actually came from Anthony Blinken through Mike Morell? Yeah, I have to tell you, I, I know Mike Morell. I know Jim Clapper. I worked with them. Uh, just highly disappointing. Uh, that that they would allow themselves, and I'm going to bet that not everyone on that letter was witting of the of the purposes behind it. Uh, but when you have senior, former senior intelligence officers saying, "No, this is all about Russian disinformation. You've seen it. Why don't you sign here, and we'll get this out." Be interesting to hear and to see if it was fully disclosed to everybody on that list. Uh, did did you know that this came as as more of a uh, a political pushback than it certainly was a statement on fact. That's what disappointed me in some of the signatures I saw in there. And this is serious business. When you get that kind of clout and that kind of weight talking about, hey, this is Russian disinformation. And as somebody who was in that business as an FBI guy and, and as certainly oversaw it as chairman, you want to at least give them the benefit of some doubt. Now I don't think you can give them the benefit of the doubt on these kinds of letters. It was odd that they did it uh, originally anyway. I always, I thought that was kind of odd, but I assumed that they were brought in and got, you know, got these, uh, you know, security, uh, high security level briefings on why they believe that. Turns out that none of that happened. It was just a phone call that said, hey, it would be great if you did this. And by the way, could you get it done in time for the debate? That, boy, I tell you what, that, that is the politicization of the intelligence service in a way that I find breathtakingly bad and dangerous. So if somebody such as yourself were to be president, note the segue, um, then uh, what would you, what would you do to, to try to restore credibility? And is it possible? I, I think it is possible. And I always believe if you put your head down, because remember there are four, far more people, more people in the F FBI and CIA who are doing the right thing and doing it every day. Uh, than there are not. And so what you've got to do is you have to kind of clean out uh, and reestablish what uh, the the morals and, and ethics of those agencies are. And you can do that through good leadership. And what's lacking in all of this is leadership. And I think that uh, having the right leader, communicating the right messages, making sure that this political notion in both of those agencies is gone, uh, and if there's any indication that somebody was playing that footsie game, they should be gone. Thank them for their service. Tell them to move on. Uh, we've got real important work to do. And it's going to take a little bit of that effort to do it, but I know it can be done. And I know it in my heart because I was one of those guys that stuck my right hand up and said, I'm ready to do this, and including the dangerous part for my country 
there's a lot more of those people who are ready and craving that kind of leadership again so they can get back doing what they know they need to do to protect America. Uh, I think, again, leadership, cleaning out dead wood, uh, and making sure that every day that they are convinced and communicated to that their job is to protect America, not any political party uh, or not any political figure. Uh, Congressman Mike Rogers, um, so real quick, last question. So you are running for president. Is that is that confirmed, or, or have you announced? Uh, not confirmed, no, but I have been spending time in South Carolina and uh, Iowa and, and New Hampshire to have conversations about real solutions to really hard problems. I just don't know if America's ready for that yet. We're going to find out. All right. Thanks for your time, sir. We'll have you back on anytime. Appreciate it. Safe travels to you, sir. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to coming back. Absolutely. Take care. That is former U.S. Representative Mike Rogers, uh, uh, former U.S. Uh, Army guy as well, and uh, FBI special agent out of the Chicago office, uh, and also the founder of Lead Leadership to Ensure the American Dream. It's L-E-A-D. Uh, and uh, thank, him for his, uh, thank him for his time today as well. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustan Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Um, I'm seeing there was just a uh, Defense Department, I think, briefing uh, on trying to get uh, trying to get people, trying to get Americans out of Sudan. Is it the Sudan or is it Sudan? I is it just Sudan? Don't, you don't call it the Sudan anymore? I know, like, they go through these name changes there periodically, whatever. But, oh, speaking of which, did you see the, uh, have you seen they've added more to the to the LGBTQ2IA plus flag? Have you seen, they've added, They've yeah, they've added more to it. It's a circle. And it's a purple circle. Because remember, it was first just the rainbow flag. And then it was the rainbow flag. I don't I forget the. I forget the exact timeline, but it was the rainbow flag, and then they added, did they add the extra colors? Like the brown and the the blacks. Yeah, I think they the black and the brown, and I think there was another color in there. And people were like, well, the whole point of the rainbow was that it's every color of the rainbow, that the rainbow is all the colors. And now you're you're putting in brown and black, but that, anyway. So I, I think that was the first one. And then they added that triangle part of it, you know, almost it looks like the, is that Puerto Rico's flag? It has the little triangle part. There's a name for it in flagdom. I forget what it is. Anyway, uh, so they added that one, it's, and that, that represents some other group, and those stripes go a different way, like up and down, I want to say, or something. And now they've added a circle, and the circle goes over the point of that triangle. And I saw somebody point out it's starting to look it's starting to look closer and closer to a hammer and sickle. I'm not sure people are aware of this, but uh, anyway. I don't remember how I got onto this topic at all. Sorry. Um, oh, did you see the, oh, the, oh, they're trying to figure out how to get people out of Sudan. And I think we can all rest assured the Biden administration has proven that they know how to get Americans out of hostile territory, right? Okay. No reason for anybody to worry. Up next, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson announces his bid for governor 
We'll take a listen to his video. North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson officially threw his name in the hat and then the hat into the ring for governor. He did it at a rally in Alamance County. And the location was uh, was chosen for a reason, which I suspect he will highlight uh, throughout his campaign. The location was Ace Speedway, right? I believe is the, yeah, Ace Speedway. You'll recall that was the that was the small racetrack that made news during the pandemic because it refused to shut down when Governor Ray Cooper, my good friend Ray, um, when he issued the SHIO, as I call it, the Stay Home Executive Order, the SHIO. Um, and they fought against it, and then they got shut down. And I suspect he chose that location in order to highlight that kind of uh, power that the governor can wield. And he has made um, one of the comments uh, that he's been focusing on is, you know, public service. We need a public servant, not a politician. He never addresses uh, in his speech. He didn't. I don't think he went after Josh Stein specifically, but in his uh, video that he put out, which all the politicians do this now, when you're running for an office, you put out your video and um, that's how you sort of make this initial announcement. And so he did the very same. So here's the audio from the video. It's very well made, I think. Um, They released this, and then he did the big uh, announcement at the Speedway yesterday. So here is the video. There's some things in life you can't forget. For me, one of them is this tree in front of my childhood home. You see, I grew up poor here in Greensboro, the ninth of 10 children. We had no phone, no air conditioning, no car. What we did have was an alcoholic father who beat my mother. Despite all that, he was still my father, someone we counted on. When I was in the fifth grade, my father died. My mother had a choice, kick her feet up, live off the government, or get a job. My mom took her fifth grade education and walked across the street and got a job at a university. She cleaned up after other people's children to provide for her own. She told me to dream. She told me with faith, hard work, I could achieve anything. She was so right. I'm the majority. I do. Stand before you today as the first black lieutenant governor of North Carolina. Served in the military. I've worked in furniture plants. I've been a general manager for a restaurant chain. And I own a small business with my wife. As a factory worker, I made good money. Until NAFTA hit. I lost my job not once, but twice. My wife and I faced these tough times as we worked to raise a young family with two wonderful children. Like so many of you, we know the gnawing feeling you get from worrying about money how it keeps you up at night as your children sleep. I've lost my car, my home, and was forced into bankruptcy. Like you, I don't need a politician to tell me what to be worried about. It's obvious. We know the price of gas and groceries and childcare is outrageous. We know too many children can't read on a grade level. 
that they've been failed by an education bureaucracy that's leaving them unprepared for life once they graduate. And sadly, we know our teachers aren't respected and aren't treated or paid as the professionals that they are. We know that shuttered factories like the ones I've worked for have left scars all over the small towns of North Carolina. We also know that our police departments are struggling, that they can't fill their ranks because we are demonizing the men and women in blue. North Carolina doesn't need more slick politicians who use work boots and Carhartt jackets as props in TV ads. They're just... Oh, yeah, that, that's Josh Stein right there. He was, Okay, he didn't say Josh Stein specifically, but that's totally Josh Stein. Pretending to be one of us. You see, it doesn't take an Ivy League education to understand the problems we're facing. What it takes is somebody with a backbone and a vision who cares about serving instead of climbing the political ladder. I'm running for governor because we deserve to be represented by someone who's actually lived like us. Someone who wants to serve, not rule. I don't care about the zip code you live in, the size of your paycheck, whether you're black, white, straight, or gay. None of those things should determine your future or your child's future. No one should have to choose between paying for medicine or making a trip to the grocery store. And our streets should be safe, and so should our schools. These issues shouldn't be Republican or Democrat issues. They should be the issues that transcend the gridlock of our capital. History teaches us anything. It's that Americans don't run from trouble. We run towards it. Now it's our time to stand up and make history. So the kids who grew up in uncertainty like I did, that they have a chance to succeed, and that they know that they live in North Carolina, a state where anything is possible. Someday you and I will be gone. I don't want my family to see a picture of me and wonder why I didn't fight for them. I want my children and grandchildren to know that I did everything I could. That's what I'm fighting for. And that's why I'm running for governor. Will you join me? All right, so that was the video, the campaign video announcing his run for governor, Mark Robinson. Uh, basically, right, I am you, right? I am you. I know your struggles because they were mine as well. I'm blue collar. Uh, work and family grew up poor. Mentions education. Lieutenant Governor has a seat on the State Board of Education. Um, it's also a very potent issue. Uh, you've got the uh, uh, defunding the police argument as well that he focused on. And uh, he, he uh, keeps coming back to this you know service, not ruling. He wants to serve, not rule. And the only reference to any LGBT issue at all was that gay or straight, None of these things should, you know, black, white, whatever, all of these different things, rich, poor, none of that should determine your future or your child's future. So that kind of a positive vision that he's spelling out, if this, if he can maintain that while Josh Stein is the only Democrat announced so far, Stein is running against Robinson and, you know, his video had all of this, you know, clan imagery and all of this stuff. It, it doesn't become believable, you know? If you got Stein out there saying this guy's, you know, the Klan reincarnated, even though he's a black Republican, but he's the Klan. And meanwhile, you have Mark Robinson saying, "Work hard, play by the rules, you'll get ahead." And you, if you tell people anything otherwise, then you're limiting them. Don't limit people. Encourage them and tell them 
that they can do anything they set their minds to, right? So to just, uh, I, I think if he's able to do that, he's got a better chance. I don't, look, I was asked this too, I don't make predictions on elections. I would just point out, North Carolina has a long history of ticket splitting, of sending Democrats to the governor's mansion and, and Republicans to the White House. Um, you've also got, uh, let's see here, the... To, 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 right, this is from ABC 11, I believe. Yeah, ABC 11 WTVD, noting that uh, you know Dale Falwell is in the race, so there's going to be a Republican primary. They also mentioned Representative Mark Walker, who, uh, according to this report, is preparing to enter in the coming weeks, according to Tim Murtaugh, a spokesperson for a consulting firm that is advising Mark Walker. Which, if you are a spokesperson for a consulting firm advising Mark Walker. Why would you Bigfoot his announcement? (laughs) So yes, he is preparing to enter the race in a couple of weeks. So why would you do that? Why, why wouldn't you let him make that announcement? If you're advising him, that seems weird. It just seems weird. All right. Now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. All right, so let me get Jerry on before I get to some of the messages that I've been letting pile up. Hello, Jerry. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. Thank you. Sure. I just wanted to chime in. Um, I thought Mark Robinson's uh, video was very moving. Yeah, I'm a crier, so I cried through it. And I think you're, you know, I am. I cried yeah, yeah, it. no, I hear you. I hear you. And, uh, you know, I, I think what's so important is that he's lived, he understands what so many people are facing today. It, it's kind of like, you know, Trump the billionaire. He, the guy was in construction. He talked to construction workers for decades. I had the opportunity a while back at a Republican event to try to speak to Mark Warner, looking past me, scanning the room, didn't want to engage, didn't want to chat at all with just some regular person. I think Mark Robinson is, is so much more connected to everyday people. I think he's got a very good chance, and I hope people will. I hope people will take that opportunity to vote for him. There is something to be said for his lack of experience in politics that um, that allows for a more authentic kind of uh, a person and interaction, right? Because this is his first elected office that he's ever held, and he's only been in there for one term. Like, this is his first term. So, uh, yeah, he doesn't have the years and years and years in, you know, elected office where you, you know, you develop these uh, habits and these ways of interacting with people, uh, good and bad, right? You get crutches that that you pick up and, you know, I don't know, just mannerisms. It it happens to everybody. Well, I, I also hope that, you know, what I've always thought is if he's smart enough to have a business, He's smart enough to have worked his way out of bankruptcy. It, it's not just the smarts of the person. It's who he surrounds himself with um, that could make him a successful governor. And so um, I, I 
you know, he's got my vote. Yeah. Got, no. I'll, prob- I'll probably donate, and he's got my, I'll donate what I can, and he's got my vote. Jerry, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Bruce. All right, yes, take care. Um, I saw it, his announcement got a couple people I saw, like Eric Erickson, Sean Trend, um, Nick Searcy, the actor originally from uh, Western North Carolina. Uh, they all retweeted his video today. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's an exciting candidate. Um, now, the left is very happy. Uh, they want him uh, to run. They want him to be the nominee. I, I don't know if that's going to parlay into an electoral victory for them with Josh Stein or whoever comes out of the Democratic primary. But uh, they they see his comments that he makes at the churches. They see that as uh, as great fodder campaign material that that'll do them in i don't know if it will or won't i I really don't um i don't know if people like because he you know he comes across as part baptist preacher which is ironic because like mark walker was (laughs) part baptist preacher but i just he comes across that way and um i don't know if that's going to be as endearing to everybody as it is to some it might be. It might not be. It might be a turnoff. But he also keeps saying, like, these are my personal religious views. You can't stop me from saying these things. But when I'm governor, like, I, I govern for everybody. And he does make that reference, gay or straight, doesn't matter, right? None of these characteristics should determine your future. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Um he had a bunch of endorsements already lined up. All the money is basically, it, I mean, it looks like all the endorsements and all the money is already racked up, lined up for him. So I don't know why Walker would get in at this point. Um, yeah, I, it, it's surprising. Now, chart it out, look forward. Do the Republicans maintain their supermajority? Then it doesn't even matter who the governor is. In fact, it could actually be worse for them. Because if they have a supermajority, then they don't need to work with the governor at all, even if he's in their own party. This is where Pat McCrory found himself, right? Um, But you also then have uh, very little to restrain sort of the worst excesses of the party, right? You could race forward with a more restrictive abortion bill, for example, and you could get it through the legislature. You could get, you know, veto-proof majority. You could rush it through and you can get the governor's signature, if he's the governor, if Robinson's the governor, um, and then you prompt this huge backlash and a lot of money pouring into the state. I don't know, right? A lot of different angles, a lot of different angles. All right, let me get to some of these messages that have piled up on. Tucker Carlson, by the way, his executive producer has also left Fox, and the LA Times is reporting that Tucker was fired by Rupert Murdoch, who had grown concerned about his conspiracy theories on January 6th and the, the, the riots and such. So um, Joseph says Tucker has the audience and clout for a Joe Rogan level podcast independent show. Don Lemon from CNN, who also got fired, he does not. Now Fox News can endlessly shill for Ukraine and Bruce Jenner without that pesky 8 p.m. slot trying to talk common sense. So, yeah, this is also going to be interesting. Like, are they going to like, how do you keep Hannity? (laughs) You know, that's the I don't know. Um. Let me see here. This is for, uh, I did my part from 95 to 2009 by sending both my sons to Providence Day with vouchers. I ain't rich, just disciplined. There you go. That is from uh, Bob. And uh, Jay says, Pete, private schools are usually very rigorous, as any cop will tell you. 
However, the private schools just have a higher quality of the drugs used. Ah, yes, I have heard that as well. Um, Scott says, dumb people can be spotted easily if you let them keep talking. I have been very blessed in my work career, but over the last five years, I have paid just over $100,000 every year between federal, state, and property taxes. But according to caller Cheryl, I didn't. Um, so this, yeah, the, when Cheryl was asking the question, well, she didn't believe that rich people pay more in taxes because she has been, I mean, think about what, what was her evidence that she, well, she didn't have any. All she said was like Donald Trump didn't pay any taxes. Remember that? that this is the, the line of argument. These are headline arguments. That's it. There's no exploration of the data underneath. What is she talking about that Donald Trump doesn't pay any taxes? Do you think Donald Trump doesn't pay any taxes? Donald Trump does pay taxes. How much does he pay? And is it income? Is it reportable? Is it offset by other losses, right? There are taxes that are paid. Just because it's not on his tax returns doesn't mean he doesn't pay taxes. Does he buy stuff? Yes, he does. He buys things, so he gets charged sales taxes. Does he own property? Yes, he does. Does he get charged taxes on that? Yes, he does. Right? So there are taxes that Donald Trump pays, just not the income tax because he wrote down losses against the income, which Cheryl gets to do as well. Everybody does. Everybody does. <clears throat> but the, the most amount of tax money, income taxes, are paid by the rich. And it's been that way my entire life. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I still have more. I'm not going to have time to get to them. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Brett Winterbull's up next. Stay tuned. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>